You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Well, it's good to be back here at Victory Baptist Church, and I can tell you there's probably not a lot of churches. I just drive down for one night, four hours, but uh, this is definitely one of them. I thank God for this place. I so appreciate the fellowship that we've had with your pastor through the years. And uh, Brother Coburnat has been such a blessing. I remember him well when he was in college. He was fervent, stirred up, and a leader uh, among his peers and still is in a great way. And uh, we're so thankful for the hand of God upon his life and upon this place. Every time I come, it gets a little bit better. Every time I come here, Brother Joe said, man, we need to get some hallelujah shouting here, brother. I said, yes, amen to that. And it's, uh, it's starting. Man, it's beginning. And I'm thankful for it. I don't know about you. I like the old-fashioned kind. I like the kind where you say, I got blessed and had to shout. Something came in and had to come out. And uh, so I, I like it. If you get happy tonight, it'll be all right with me. I go to some churches, brother. It's so dead. I mean, it, I mean, they got ice on the, down on the pew, uh, down in the aisles. And uh, they call it the first church of the, of the frozen few. And uh, I walked into one church and they had a sign up. Welcome to First Church of the North Pole, where Dr. Jack Frost is the pastor. Many are cold and a few are frozen. Amen. But uh, we don't want to be like that. You say, well, I'm afraid, um, man, I'm afraid we might get out of hand. I like to get where once in a while it does get out of hand. I like for it to get out of our hand, amen, and get it in the hand of God. The old boy said, I want to be so full of the Holy Ghost, if a mosquito bites me, it flies off singing power in the blood. And uh, that's the kind of revival we want tonight. And I heard that Brother Joe brought a great message. I knew he would. I have no doubt, I have great confidence in my friend, Brother Joe Arthur, and um, he's been battling, as you know, some issues with his voice. We have prayed fervently that God would keep him preaching. We need his voice, and uh, we need his everything about him. We need his style, we need him. And uh, I know today, if, if you get preaching a little bit, this generation of kids looks at you like, well, what is that? Uh, what could this possibly be? I mean, what is that? And it's called preaching, amen? And uh, well, do you think that um, he is expositorily correct? Is it, um, does that fit within the mold? Look at him, he's moving his foot. He's getting stirred up about things. He's, he stomped a few times while he was preaching. I believe the man's about to get on top of the pulpit and dance on it just a little bit and stir things up and uh, preach or maybe move the pulpit like it's, a, like it's a turret on a machine gun and preach at people. But I'll tell you tonight, uh, we need old fashion preaching. Well, brother, you know, uh, good to see you. Don't get too excited. We don't want to scare anybody. Uh, there are some people that need some scaring. Amen? And um, some people, by the way, you ought to stand here and realize, you know, there's people in the pew that are pretty scary too. And some people look at you like, what are you going to do? Bless me if you can. I mean, they look like they're mad at the world. Look like they drank vinegar on the way into the house of God. But um, it's good to be here. This is a great, great place. Uh, there are all the things I was preaching about other churches. This is a good church. We say amen when we need to. We say amen when the pastor pulls his ear a little bit. 
Amen. And I'll even say, yes, amen, hallelujah, glory to God. I like it when they get all stirred up, you know. And, uh, and I teach the kids in the chapels. I taught them here last year and I preached here. I said, if I do this, it means amen. And they tried it, amen. I said, uh, if I do this, it means I want you to say Yes, I mean, yes. And uh, even the girls, I want you to deepen your voice down. Yes, brother, amen. And I mean, uh, and get stirred up. And uh, I was preaching at a camp meeting, and uh, it, I hadn't been in many camp meetings, and uh, it was one of the first ones I ever preached. And in fact, man, I was preaching. This guy got all stirred up. He had a red jacket on. And every time you mentioned the blood, come on, brother, it's the blood. He'd stand up and, and get all excited about it. And uh, I don't know what I said to this day. I mean, I must have said something really that he liked. And he stood up on his uh, on the chair. They had folding chairs out. Stood up on that chair. Hey, man, brother, shake that bush. Come on. And uh, I'd never heard that in my life. And uh, man, that was. And I thought, what is he saying? He was saying, just keep shaking the bush and get some fruit off the tree. So let's try it. You ready? If I pull this here, it's amen. If it's this one, yes. And if uh, one of these, it's shake that bush. Let's try it together. Ready? Uh, God is good. Amen. Good all the time. Yes. He's on the throne. Oh, that was pretty good for people from Wisconsin. You did a great job. But uh, I mean, you need, to, you need to say that sort of like, shake that bush. Come on, brother. I mean, I'm not from the South. And I lived in the South for over 20 years. Had you noticed that Brother Coburnot's got a little bit of a, just a little bit going on? He said, we're going to sing another one, y'all. He's getting it. When he, when he came here, it was, hey, how is everybody? When he's, I mean, he's, he's been in the South for a while. I can't wait, can't wait to hear Miss Joanna and hear how she's talking. Her kids are Southern. They don't, I mean, you know, I, I'll never forget I was introduced somewhere and uh, we were talking and uh, one of my sons said, yeah, my, my daddy, he's a, he's a Yankee. My son was born in Tennessee, and he called me a Yankee. I said, what in the world? But uh, we are glad to be here tonight. And you prayed for Brother Bossy and the Lord's hand upon his life. Uh, those 200 and whatever, 60 grants are about 50,000 each. And so uh, in his lifetime, he has given away a fortune. Very few people, uh, people talk about what they would give if they had it but very few few people in this world actually do that. And I'm so proud to be his friend and, uh, and his pastor and uh, one of my dear friends. And I thank God for him, his life, his ministry, and what he does for the glory of God. This year, we'll have two meetings, and Lord willing, uh, we will uh, give uh, about 20 churches grants at about $50,000 each. And that means we'll give over a million dollars away this year for the cause of Christ. And if you know, if you know young men that are in church planning, young men that are in their first church work, maybe even not so young, we've given grants to men uh, that just took this on in their latter years. Brother Bossy got saved in his 50s, I believe, uh, he and his wife Lois, and uh, they just gave their wealth over to God to be used for his glory, and that's what they do. So very rare. I want you to get to know them after service, say hi. Not too long because we're going to leave. But anyway, uh, if you start your Baptist interrogation, I'll interrupt you. But anyway, we'll have a great time. Isn't it good to be saved? And uh, Brother Joe, I'm so sorry I couldn't come down and hear you preach last night, but he's always a blessing. And um, I took my little daughter out on the firing range, and uh, we lived in Georgia, and took her out on the, on the range and was teaching her how to shoot a gun. And she had a little Cricket 22. 
and a, a chipmunk, excuse me, chipmunk 22, an older man gave it to us, just a little pull back, a little uh, pull the hammer back straight, little, uh, just a little 22, and I was teaching her how to use a weapon. She eventually graduated into 357 Magnum, but that was a little bit later that I was teaching her how to shoot. And we were out on the range, and she had her little chipmunk 22. I said, go ahead, honey. And right next to us, he never gave us a warning. There's a guy who had a, uh, I believe it was a 458. It was a big elephant gun, number one Ruger, pullback hammer, or excuse me, drop-down hammer. And uh, it was for using elephants and buffalo, big, big bore rifle. He was right next to us. We never even thought about it. She went, and went, Boom! It sounded like a cannon went off. And uh, man, tonight, uh, after Brother Joe, I feel like that little chipmunk rifle. <laughs> and, uh, so uh, we'll see. We had the cannon shoot for us last night. We'll see if we can do. Sunday morning, I forget how it was, our choir sang, and it got good. It got real good. And I got stirred up, and the sound system started going every now and then. It was just making this loud noise. And uh, I said it was the Baptist 1812 overture with the cannons going off. And uh, they said, Pastor, that was you stomping on the floor making the sound system go. Did you know everything, everything gets blamed on the pastor? Come on now. But uh, everything gets blamed on the pastor. But if we have revival tonight, I pray you'll just blame that on the Lord working in our midst, working among us. It's all for His glory. Uh, let's get into the Word of God tonight. And if, as we get to Mark chapter 1, I would covet your prayers for my wife. Her dad passed away this last week, and uh, we'll be moving and going to uh, Indiana on uh, Thursday and Friday. She'll fly out and help her uh, stepmom, and I'll drive out with our daughter Bethany on uh, Friday to try to get out there for the funeral on Saturday. So pray for her, the Lord's hand upon her. How many have had COVID again this year? Anybody at all? I had it a couple, about a month and a half ago, and now nobody will shake my hand after service, but uh, I had it. I had that dreaded disease for the second time, and uh, man, uh, it's, it's crazy, but God is good, and uh, I've had a cold for a while, and that's about the equivalent of COVID-19 for most people. And, of course, some get real sick. So let's trust God. Aren't you looking forward to that day? We'll never hear COVID-19 again. And then it'll be uh, monkey flu or whatever they're coming up with next. What's the next one? Monkey pox? Yeah, okay, great. And uh, you, you know I'll get those. But anyway, we'll see what happens. And, uh, next time you see me, I'll look like a monkey. Amen? All right. Mark chapter 1, please. Let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. Mark chapter number 1. Mark chapter 1, and I'd like to meet Mrs. Arthur after the service tonight, please. I'd like to just get to know you, and uh, just for a woman that could put up with Brother Joe all these years. But anyway, uh, it's amazing. She is all responsible for everything. But anyway, uh, you're a blessing, Mrs. Arthur, and we thank God for you and your, your family, your life, and uh, your testimony. We praise God for you. In all seriousness, we love Brother Joe, and I pray much that God would help him, and I see him. Stir it up again, preaching again. Mark chapter 1, please, verse 40. There came a leper to him, beseeching him, kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, and saith unto him, I will 
Be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed, and he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away, and saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priests, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out, began to publish it much, and to what? Blaze abroad the matter. It's so much that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in the desert places. They came to him. They came to him from every quarter. I want to speak for a few moments tonight, a message that I've preached many times, but I felt very strongly that God wanted me to preach this tonight over the last few days. I want to be in step. I want to be in sync with what God is doing in our midst. I called the pastor about Brother Arthur's message last night, and he told me what he preached about, and I appreciate that so much from Hezekiah, what God did there. And I want to speak tonight and give you just a thought from the life of Christ and how that Jesus touched a man that I'm sure hadn't been touched in a long time. A man that was, according to Luke's gospel, full of leprosy. He didn't have a spot or two or a breakout here and there. He was in the advanced stages of a terminal disease. And Jesus, in His love and mercy and compassion, He reached out and touched him. And immediately... The leprosy departed from him. I'm going to look at that great event and just consider for a few moments tonight several of the lessons that we find. The lessons that we find from a leprous man. The lessons from a leprous man. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. I appreciate so much the Williams family and the good music they provided. Bless them in every way. May your hand rest upon them. Thank you for the message that's already been preached and the way you worked even over the weekend with Brother Brady and his family being here. We pray, Lord, for your good hand to reside upon this place. And again, I thank you for Pastor and his wonderful staff and uh, the families that you brought here. May you bless in a great way tonight. We thank you. If there's one here tonight that's in trouble, if there's one here tonight who is lonely and hurting and in a great state of need, I pray you'll draw near to their life tonight. Thank you for what you'll do, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, all of God's people said together. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for so long. Our text tonight is a great chapter in your Bible. It is a great uh, account of a moment in the life of Christ. The Lord Jesus is still early in his ministry. 
And Mark was the one who would just go right to it and give us his miracles and what he did and show forth some of the great things that happened in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is now in the upper regions of Galilee where he spent much of his time. He was born, of course, up in the hills of Nazareth. He came down from there eventually and made his way. After he came back from Egypt, he read in the scroll of Isaiah how that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, anointed him to preach the gospel. He went out into the wilderness for 40 days after his baptism, was tempted of the devil, and now he comes back uh, toward the region of Galilee. He is casting out devils. He is healing the sick. He is doing great and wondrous things, and he is preaching the gospel to a poor and needy generation. Now Jesus is going to the synagogues, and the Bible said the fame of him began to spread uh, abroad. Great crowds began to come to Jesus. This is before they understood the cross. This is before they understood the cost of discipleship. They were coming because he was giving them bread. He was giving them healing. He was giving them hope. He was giving them everything that Jesus does when Jesus is in the midst. I'm glad for the fact that as God's people, he's made it very clear. Where two or more are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. So Jesus shows up and he's going down to the synagogues and the Bible says as he is on his way, there came a leper to him, beseeching him, kneeling down to him, saying unto him, if thou will, thou canst uh, make me clean. Without any warning, without any prior announcement, a leper breaks in on the scene and meets with Jesus. Leprosy was a dreaded disease at the time of Christ. It was prevalent throughout those parts of the world, the Middle East and those parts uh, of Asia. Uh, leprosy was a very, very common thing. If you you woke up one day and realized you had leprosy, you were doomed to a life of living alone. You were doomed to a life of a leper colony and the only people you could ever be around was other lepers just like you. At the time of Christ, there were three types of leprosy. There was red leprosy, black leprosy, and there was white leprosy. If you study uh, leprosy a little bit, you will find out it would begin in the marrow of the bone where no one could ever see it and this, uh, this leprosy, this disease would begin to work itself out uh, into the skin and eventually begin to affect all the extremities of the body. It was a separating disease that would literally cause a man's fingers to fall off uh, at the knuckles, at the joints, at the wrist, and a little bit at a time, a man or a woman would eventually begin to die from their, literally their body, uh, rotting away from the inside out. You would begin, first of all, spots around the mouth and the nose uh, in uh, pretty much imperceptible uh, imperce- at first. You could not see it right away, but sure enough, if you found out you had leprosy, you were going to be in a very, very bad way. Study your Bible and you'll find out that leprosy is a great picture of what sin uh, does to the human race. In fact, in the Old Testament especially, wherever leprosy is mentioned, it's nearly always a picture of sin. Study it out. Leprosy, first of all, is an internal disease. It begins on the inside. 
not on the outside. And just like that, sin is an internal matter. The Bible makes it very clear that uh, if you study it out, James chapter one, God said, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, that when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. It all begins from the inside out. It was internal. Leprosy was inherited. If you were born into a leper family, if you were born, your mama or your daddy was a leper, you didn't have to go to the doctor. You knew absolutely 100% you were going to have leprosy. No doubt about it. Any leper who had a child brought forth lepers into this world. Do you know, you understand tonight that sin is destroying our nation from the inside out and that sin is a part of every person in this room, excluding none. For the Bible says, for that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I see a lot of young children, many of them left to go to a children's church, whatever you have here, but I saw a lot of young kids here. There's not one mom, not one dad who's ever sat down with their child and said, now come here, Johnny, come here, Bobby. I'm gonna teach you how to lie. I'm gonna teach you how to steal. I'm gonna teach you how to be a little snitcher. I'm gonna teach you how to hit your little brother, pull your little sister's hair. I'm gonna teach you how to be a perfect little brat. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that with your kids? Never have. You're teaching them to tell the truth teach them to do what was right. You're teaching what uh, is good, what is bad. I'll never forget one of my kids came into the kitchen. Uh, my wife had made a beautiful batch of chocolate, chocolate chip cookies. That is somebody say amen right there. Chocolate chip cookies. And uh, man, uh, I said, hey, honey, she said, they're cooling off. Don't take any. And I looked and one was gone. Uh, one of our boys came walking in, a little fella, maybe two years old. He came toddling in. I said, did you take that cookie? No, sir, daddy. Big old brown eyes looked right at me. No, sir. I said, you didn't take the cookie? No, sir. I mean, he had chocolate right there in the corner of his mouth. Crumbs were stuck to the chocolate. After just a three or four seconds of forensic investigation, I found out this little guy had stolen the cookie. I said, you didn't take the cookie? No, sir, daddy. My brother took the cookie. Not only did he lie, he shifted off and lied about his brother. I didn't have to teach him that. And finally, I got the news out of him. I turned him upside down, shook the cookie out, amen, but not really. But uh, after I found out what happened and disciplined him, he cried and all that. Listen, friends, uh, he lied like a professional. He acted like he was in the White House. He acted like he was, he acted like... I mean, he looked at me just like Hillary Clinton or any of them and lied like Nancy Pelosi herself. I mean, friends, is everybody okay? Amen. But I mean to say to you tonight, it was unbelievable. And I realized right then and there, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? This sin, this leprosy, it is uh, indeed is inherited. It is internal. It is infectious. If you get leprosy and you get around other people, you're going to give it to them, whether you like it or not. It's infectious. It's worse than COVID-19. It was worse than monkeypox. It's worse than swine flu or anything else. If you get caught and you're next, you sit next to somebody on the airplane, they can wear all the masks they want. They can social distance all they want. They can take all the vitamin C uh, that you can think of. But if they have leprosy, they're going to give it to you. It's an infectious disease. And sin 
is infectious whether we like it or not. This is why God said in Hebrews 12, 15, lest there be in any of you a root of bitterness springing up and thereby many be defiled. Sinners always want other sinners to be involved in their sin. Nobody likes to sin alone. Do I have an amen? No 16-year-old gets himself uh, a fifth of Jack Daniels and goes, says, go away, guys, I'm going home tonight by myself and just drinks his little uh, whatever he's got. No kid's going to roll some marijuana cigarettes up and smoke them all by himself. He wants other kids involved. He wants other people involved. Sin is infectious. Leprosy is infectious. It is inherited. It is internal. And understand, it is isolating. This man had been living in isolation all the days of his life. The Bible teaches us in the book of Leviticus that if a man were to be a leper and he were pronounced to be a leper, he was pronounced by the priest to be unclean. And the Bible said in Leviticus 13, 44 and 45, he would be unclean all the days of his life. And everywhere he went, he would put a covering over his mouth. Sounds like a COVID mask, say amen to that. He'd put a covering over his mouth and everywhere he'd go, he would cry, unclean, unclean. If you saw a leper coming down the street, he'd have little bells around the bottom of his garment. You'd hear him tinkling, walking down the street and you'd say, uh, who is that? I'm a leper, unclean, don't get near me. Hey, but don't hug me, don't get near me. If he walked into church tonight, nobody'd hug his neck. No mama'd come and say, I love you, good to see you. No parents would come and say, hey, so glad you're friends with Bubba. So glad you're friends with Johnny or Junior or whatever their name would be. No. He lived his life in isolation all the days of his life. And leprosy was not only isolating, it was incurable. You couldn't go to the doc and say, doctor, I need a leprosy pill. Oh, good, go ahead, take two, and you'll be just fine. I mean, uh, no, it's not going to be like that. You take a few of these pills and everything will be great. We have a, a, a vaccine for you. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Should I say anything about vaccination? I believe in vaccination. We just don't have one. Let me just say this to you. How many of you here ever had smallpox? How about polio? I never had polio. You know why? I got vaccinated. And I meet people that have been vaccinated, boosted, shot, just, uh, just turned upside down, everything. I've got COVID four different times. The last time I checked, vaccines keep us from getting sick. Please say amen right there. Or, or pastor, if you need me to run out the door, I will do that too. But I'm saying to you that there was no vaccine for it. They didn't have one. They didn't have a pill. There was no Lilly Corporation to say, here we go, just take this and you'll be fine. It was incurable. But wait a minute. He hears. He heard this noise. Are you kidding me? Are you telling me there's somebody down in Galilee that's healing the sick? I mean, he's so godly. He, he helped Simon heal his mother-in-law. That's a godly man. Say amen right there. I mean, he helped Simon heal his mother-in-law. I know some guys that wouldn't have called him, but they say amen to that. Hey, I'm cutting. No, don't, don't, no, just no, stay away from our house. I mean, he helped. He was there. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast some demons out of people. Everywhere he went, he did good. He did well. And somewhere in that, in that leper's mind's eye, he said, wait a minute. 
You think he could care about me? I heard he's a friend to the friendless. I heard about this one that reaches out and touches people that nobody else cares about. I heard he's not like the Pharisees who live with their proverbial and their ecclesiastical nose stuffed way, way up in the air. Get away, I'm a Pharisee, don't touch me. I've heard he's hugging up on little children and saying of such of the kingdom of heaven. I've heard people that love him and I heard he loves them. I heard about this Savior that I heard that he is sitting down with publicans and sinners and eating with them and he loves and receives sinners and himself. Maybe there's some help for me. And he heard about this Jesus. He heard about the hymn that the Williams sung about so well. They heard about the Son of God who had come into his own. They heard that there was a Messiah, that this Christ, this anointed one who'd come out of Nazareth. And of course the Pharisees said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth, amen? Uh, but man, they weren't reading the, the Bible properly. They had it all twisted up. He had heard that there was one coming in that was a help for the helpless, who was one who cared about the lonely and the stricken and the broken people. And he hears about Jesus. He said, if I can just get near him, if I can just touch him. Man, if I can just break in. And somehow, in some way, he breaks through the crowd. There came a leper to him, beseeching him, kneeling down to him, saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Can you see all the religious people? Look out, leper. Get out of the way, Brother Joe. It's a leper. Look out, it's a sinner. Man, oh, get away. You're going to get it. Kids, come here, come here, come here. Leper, right over here. He breaks through that crowd. I see maybe one, hey, you can't be here. Oh, really? Get out of my way, sir. <laughs> I'll touch you real good. I'll sneeze on you, amen. I'm going to give you some luck. Get out of my way, boy. I'm going to get to Jesus. I'm getting to him. And he breaks through everything around him. And he gets to him and he falls down, not in his face, didn't yell and holler and say, why'd you give me leprosy? I've been to three support group meetings this week. I visited a therapist and said it's my parents' fault. They beat me when I was a little child. Now came this leprosy. It's my mommy and daddy. I've been abused. I've been left out. I didn't have anything growing up. Man, I didn't have a whole lot growing up, and I'm glad for it. Say amen to that. When I see some of the spoiled kids in this generation who've been given everything without ever having to work for it, I'm glad for my dad who was an old shoemaker. Mom had to go and work and uh, had toy parties at her house so she could give all of us eight kids a little something on Christmas Day. But I can see him. He said, I started to go to a support group meeting. But man, they didn't have anything for me. I've tried some of that doctor's stuff. None of it's work. I tried chicken soup, penicillin. I even tried gorsal salve. Anybody here ever tried that stuff? Gorsal salve, man, that would take the splinters out of your... I tried molasses. I tried all of it. Nothing's worked for me. Mama gave me stuff that probably would have poisoned the cat or the dog. And told me this will help. Nothing's worked. She said, I've heard about you. I've heard that you care about people that are lost. Is this true? Lord, I've heard you're so wonderful that you can change lives. And he beseeches him and says, Lord, if thou wilt. He didn't even demand. He said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. 
Wouldn't that be good to hear on some of these radio broadcasts? Amen. Hi, here's our call-in visitor, Shirley. I'm just mad at God today, and I don't know what to do. Oh, Shirley, you poor thing. (laughs) Who art thou that replies against God? Shall the thing form say to the thing that made thereof, why hast thou made me thus? Whatever happened to that? Man, he kneels down. He says, Jesus, if thou wilt, you can change my life. I know you can clean me. His fingers were falling off. He was full of leprosy. He was wrapped in rags. He was full of a dreaded disease. I'm sure his toes had already long since died and fallen off of his body. Many times their ears would fall off. Their nose would separate from their face. The mask was there not just to keep people from getting sick, but just to cover themselves. They were so hideous. Lord, if thou wilt. You know what that means? That means no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've gone, there, you see, Jeremiah made it clear. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there a physician there? I say that there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And Jesus paid the price for every man, woman, boy, girl who's ever lived. He said, well, that's how you get saved, sure, and that's how you live for God till you get keep on coming and coming. Say, Lord, if thou will, thou canst make me clean. How many are saved and you've ever sinned one time? Please put your hands up or else, well, those who didn't put your hand up, that's the first time. I mean, I mean, how many of you sinned? You're saved and you've sinned, amen? What do we do with that? We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me give you the lessons. I see, first of all, several things. Number one, there's a lesson here of crisis. Crisis. You see, this man... I'd say he had a problem. Is that a fair thing to say? I'd say he had a, a pretty bad day. I mean, you know, I know you're hurt. The dog ran away, and that's real to you. I know that your cat got run over, and I understand. I'm not even going to say anything about it. <laughs> just just going to say some people are hurting, some people that's a blessing. But I'm saying that... But you know what I'm talking about. So you've had a tragedy in your life. You've had a hard time. You may have had somebody that died from COVID in your family, your life. You may have lost a loved one in the last year. That's difficult. But man, this this gentleman was at the very last moment of life. And he comes with this crisis and his real problem And your problem and my problem, our real problem tonight is not that we have a problem. Our real problem is what we do when we have a problem. You see, we run to this and that and the other and we run everywhere in the world. This man said, wait a minute, there's a solution down there. There is a balm down there. There's a healer down there. And I believe maybe there's some hope for me and I'm going to make my way down to Jesus. And it doesn't matter who's in the way. It doesn't matter who doesn't like it. Listen, friends, somebody in the church doesn't like you raising your hand once in a while. Next time you raise your hand, wave right at them. Amen. <laughs> and, and, and don't let people getting keep you from a blessing. Don't get people and don't let people get in your way. He didn't. He finally got to Jesus. In the middle of his crisis, he came to Christ. 
You understand his problem. His problem. You see, when we have a problem, we can either get broken or we can get better or bitter. We can get crushed or we can get better. The issue is whether we run from him or whether we run to him. Now, if you're a member of a church for any length of time, somebody somewhere is going to hurt you. So I have an amen. Churches can be toxic environments, to say the least. Somebody's going to hurt you. Somebody's going to be upset with you. They're not going to like something you did. And rather than run to this one or that one, the other one, get on the internet, go to, oh, excuse me, i got to get to Facebook. And let me just tell somebody on... <laughs> We just tell somebody on Twitter, <laughs> Pastor Arthur didn't say hi to me Sunday morning. I can tell he doesn't like me. He has it in for me. I'll never come back. And I'd love for 20 more of you to leave with me. Amen? I mean, is that fair? I'm saying to you tonight, our problems are no longer private. But when we get to Jesus, we get to the cross again, and we get to the place where, Lord Jesus, you know better. You were tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. They beat you. They mocked you. They spat on you. They cried out. He saved others himself. He cannot save. If thou be the Son of Man, come down from the cross. He looked down and said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They don't know what they're doing. Do I have an amen? They don't get it. And by the grace of God, they say, I'm just going to get to him. It's a lesson of Christ's. Secondly, it was a lesson a lesson of confidence. He got before the Lord and he said, if thou will. I like the next two words. Thou, what? Thou canst make me clean. We have a generation of young people who are now addicted to podcasts. And I'm not against podcasts, but I am against what's being promoted on some of them well, we don't believe in tithing anymore, and here's five reasons why tithing is no longer for today. We don't believe in standards anymore because that's legalism and that's not right. And some of the little junior, there used to be when I grew up a generation of Dr. Do flunkies. These are people who don't know anything. Now they're even younger. So they're junior Dr. Do flunkies. These are 23, 24-year-old kids, I'm going to tell you now, all about having this, haven't even had a child, how to raise children and how to live for God. Is everybody okay? And understand what's happening is that our faith is being sucked away. You hear this a lot. Well, young people, you need to make your faith your own. You need to question everything you've ever learned, and you need to really look at everything you've ever been taught. No, you don't. The Bible says to who the speaking of the Apostle Paul, he said, whose faith follow, to get behind those, to uh, obey them that have the rule over you, to honor them that have the rule over you, to follow them who have the rule over you in Hebrews 13. In other words, we're not supposed to say, well, that's Pastor Cobernat, and that's Brother Arthur, and that's this one. We're supposed to say, hey, there's a man of God, and I'm going to follow. Do I have an Amen. But we're living in a generation of question. We've had a few failures and we've had some faults come out. And this one and that one. Last time I checked, your pastor's a good man. Say amen to that. 
walks with God, has a wonderful family, has a wonderful wife and children. Last time I checked, Brother Arthur's a good man. I've never heard any bad, horrible story about him. Last time I checked, I know a lot of preachers that walk with God and serve God and live for God and glorify God. Therefore, we ought to have some confidence. I'm on a rabbit trail. Above all else, let us have confidence in Jesus and what He can do. He cast out devils. He healed disease and, and He conquered death. In Hebrews 13, 8. Bible said, Jesus is now changed and not the same for our culture. Is that what the Bible said? Help me out. Jesus Christ, what? The same yesterday, today, and forever. I'll hasten on. There's a lesson of confidence. I see a lesson of contrition. A lesson of a man who's broken before God. And I'm not minimizing your problems. I'm not here personally to be your pastor, but I know we have problems. We have teenagers who, though they look bright and sharp on the outside, they go home and cut themselves with little knives. We have teenagers who are 14 and 15 years old who are considering ending their own life and harming themselves. Not, never here. Please, Please, you know what I'm talking about. We have young men and young women who are almost not. You're not hopelessly because you're in church, so there's hope. But horribly addicted to pornography. Moms and dads, you ought to know exactly what your kids are looking at on their, on their phone. Is everybody okay? I literally had a parent in my office last week. I said, well, she said, I don't know, because I know she's up late with her cell phone. I said, what do you mean? Well, she stays up late on the Internet. How old is this child? Thirteen. I said, take her cell phone away. She said, I couldn't do that. I said, here's what you can tell her, okay? And what about, where's your husband? He can't do that. <laughs> okay. You tell her, Pastor Ross, he said, to give you her phone at 9 o'clock before she goes to bed. Sure enough, I saw the little girl a couple days later. She said, did you tell my mom to take my cell phone away? <laughs> yes, I did. Did she take it away? Well, she did one night. I said, I'm coming over to your house 9 o'clock tomorrow night. I'm taking your cell phone. <laughs> Amen. I mean, whatever happened to parents being parents? You're not supposed to be their little buddy and their pal and their little friend and be some little uh, rabbit figure. Hi, kids. How are you? And act like you're Mr. Rogers. You're supposed to be a man. Say amen to that. Welcome to our neighborhood. Man. <laughs> Help us. You're not a Teletubby and you're not Coco Melon. Say amen. Come on now. And But you know Jesus can change that in your life. He can change you from the inside out. He can set you free. For you no longer love the things you used to love. You no longer desire the things you used to crave. Where God can truly work in your life. There's a lesson here and it all happens when we get honest and contrite. Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God. Thou wilt not despise. And God will never reject you if you get broken before Him. 
say, Pastor, you don't know what I did. I don't have to. There's a leper. Advanced stages. His life is over. Lord, he's beseeching him, kneeling before him. If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he hears these wonderful words. I will be thou cleansed. Let me hurry. Two more lessons. A lesson of, I can't leave this out. A lesson of contrition, but there's a lesson of compassion. Because Jesus, the Bible says here, I love it. Verse 41, Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and did what? Touched him. Shackled by a heavy burden. Neath the load of sin and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me. And now I am no longer the same. How many are glad for that day when he touched you? Amen. He reached out and touched your life. He washed you in his precious blood. He set your feet upon a rock. He brought you up out of the miry clay. Set your feet upon a rock and put a new song in your heart. He brought you up. He set you up. He tuned you up, amen. He changed your life from the inside out. That's what he wants to do for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room. I love it. He had compassion on him. You know, the Bible even says he'll have compassion on the ignorant that means there's hope for us to have an amen. You say, brother, that's people who don't even know what they're doing wrong. And he has compassion. He touched the untouchable. He loved the unlovable. He cured the incurable. Jesus thought the unthinkable. And Jesus broke the unbreakable. He was under a curse he reached out and touched his life and said, I will be thou clean, cleanse. Let me finish. A lesson of completion or uh, compassion. And finally, a lesson of completion. Let's look at verse number 42. Verse 42. Let's look at it, please. After 12 weeks of counseling and therapy, is that what it says? After nine weeks of intense medication, wait, hold it. After four serendipity group sessions, after listening to their favorite TV and radio preachers for six months, no, what happened? As soon as soon, man, dry. That was weak. Anyway, man, I need to get a snap put on my uh, iPhone. There you go. Thank you, brother. As soon, as soon as he had spoken. Next word. What? Immediately. Man, wait a minute. Are you talking about an instantaneous conversion? You better believe I am. I'm talking about the moment a man or woman puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You know what he says? I will be thou cleansed. As soon as those words came forth from the lips of Jesus, immediately 
Immediately, boy, this is amazing. Immediately, the leprosy did what? Next three words. What did the leprosy do? Let's get out of here, boys. You see these little leper cells? Oh, take it off, running there. You know, there they go down the road. They're gone, brother. They take off as fast as they can. It's like walking in and turning on the lights and watching all the, the, the rats and the mice and the crickets take off for cover. The leprosy departed from, G, from this leper. And immediately, the Bible said, he was cleansed. I can tell you this. When you start walking with Christ in the moment you look to him, all of our sin, all of our sorrow, all of our heartache, all of our loneliness. Brother Ross, you don't understand. My, my boyfriend broke up with me. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Amen. <laughs> I had a girl came in my office a couple weeks ago. That boy broke up with me. I said, I've been praying for that. You're way better than him anyway. <laughs> that was his loss and your gain. Say amen to that. Yeah, but he was cute. He liked me. He wrote me a poem. Any teenage boy that writes you a poem, you ought to get rid of him. <laughs> you ought to tape his hands to a shovel and teach him how to work. Say amen to that. How to be a man. But... This happened. I was at a Bible college <laughs> to preach. I'll tell it. I'll be done. I promise you. I walked up and there was two guys sitting in the car. They had their windows down. And they had this music coming out of the car. Two guys. And it was, you lift me up when I can walk on water. Two guys sitting there. And I said, hey, guys. <laughs> I'm a Bible. What's going on? Oh, brother, we're listening to a little Josh Groban in the car. That's good. Are you going to be in chapel? Oh, yeah. Okay, great, because I'm going to use you for an illustration. You'll know when. <laughs> I see these two guys over here. They're, they're reciting poetry and listening to Josh Groban. I'll just tell you this. I don't know if they were holding hands, but you ought to stay away from them. Say amen to that. But what a world. What a world. What a world. And, but this man was cleansed right away. He got clean. Remember when people used to hit the altar and get saved and go home and pour their liquor down the, down the drain and throw out their cigarettes and then start again the following week and then quit again and start again. It was a hard habit to quit, but at least they desired to. Go to the barber and say, I need a haircut. Oh, trim the split ends? No, I need a haircut. I'll just tell you what the Lord did for me and I'll be done. I was a, a mess. My hair was as long as a lot of the women in this room playing drums in a rock and roll band. Messed up on every level. I'd already been to jail and had a 20-year sentence to the Maryland State Penitentiary and was living on parole. I was as bad off as any person you've ever met. And if I came into a church like this, I would have been looking for purses and things like that. I was a very bad individual. 
And if you do talk to me about Jesus, I probably would have thought you were crazy. If you ever end up in jail, you're going to find out you're going to be there all, all by yourself. But I'll never forget. They said, you have a visitor. A2, Rossi. Visitor? Went out. There was a friend of our family who got saved. His name was John. And he sat there and said, Lou, you, you need to get saved. What? You need Jesus. I said, I'm not ready for that, John. He said, man, he's changed me. He saved my life. He saved me. I'm saved. I said, yeah, yeah, I believe you, but I'm not ready for that. And he prayed, and he, I watched him, and tears started running down his cheeks. He said, you need the Lord. Man, I got under conviction. I went back to my cell, and some guys had heard John. And when I got back to my cell, they were all having a mock service. Hallelujah, Lou's getting saved. And they were mocking and teasing just like the devil himself. I ran from God. I ran for several years. My mom prayed. She got saved, and she prayed and prayed. I'll never forget my car broke down, and a guy would pick me up in a little old 70 Chevy Nova, green, two-door. My car broke down. It broke down for a month, and I had to go out. He would pick me up, and his name was Irvin, and Irvin had gotten saved. Of all the people to pick me up for work, 7 o'clock, we get in his car. I'd come in from a night of sin out the night before, hung over and all that goes with it. He'd turn on his radio, the gospel hour with Dr. Oliver B. Green. I thought, what is this? And that old raspy preacher would come on there. It seemed like Oliver Green preached on hell every sermon. And he'd say, if you reject Jesus, you're going to burn forever in the lake of fire. And I could hear him. I mean, I could hear that preacher. And pulling into the gate every day. Father, save that soul that's near as hell today in Jesus' name. And I got under Holy Ghost, can't shake it off, can't help it, can't sleep it off, can't drink it off, can't smoke it off, can't run away from it. I got under, under the Holy Ghost conviction. And finally, on a Sunday morning, I gave my life to Christ. I said, Lord, I'm done. I'm so dirty and vile, I don't even know if he'll accept me. But I, I need you. Lord, I just, I don't even know where to turn. I don't know what the Bible says. My dad's Bible is on the easy chair at his home. They had already left for church when I came in from a night of sin on Sunday morning. I said, I'll just read. And I read in Matthew chapter 11 where Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. He said, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. He said, you shall find rest for your souls. Got on my knees. I said, I don't know where to start. My mom used to put Oliver Green tracks in my pants pocket. She put them in my lunchbox. She put them in my glove box at the car. She sent off to the gospel hour and sent off for 500 of those tracts written by Mrs. Oliver B. Green. What does it mean to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? And I'd read a few of them. I mean, they were in the bathroom of our house. She had them everywhere. And I said, I don't know where to start, but if you'll have me. I said, Jesus, I really do believe. I really don't know much about it, but I believe you died for me. And that you rose from the dead. Friends, all I can tell you, that moment, that second, instantly, immediately, I passed from death unto life. 
And immediately like the leper, I can tell you, I was cleansed. And understand the fact that since then, many times, we've had to run to him. Lord, we need you. Amen? We need your presence. We need your power. And today, that lesson is simply this. If you come to him, his words will be, I will be now cleansed. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.